Good morning. It's always a pleasure to be here, and I'd like you to know this is one of my favorite churches to come to. Amen. It really is. And uh, well known by my board of trustees because we talk about how you guys have been encouragement to us over the years. And I want to say a personal thank you too to Reverend Al and Lori, whom I've known for years. I knew him when he didn't have so much gray hair, you know. <laughs> and Reverend uh, Pastor Peter, that I've come to know over the years as well. Sister Maria Velez. I feel, I tell you, I know my way here, that I wasn't even paying attention. And next thing you know, I went zooming past my exit. But thank God for GPS. Amen. It brought me back here on time and in time. I want to talk about living loved today. And I think it's a problem with many of us as believers that we really do not have a clear understanding of the depth of God's love for us. That's what I want to talk about today. And uh, it was read from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 12, so I won't read it again because I'm going to read portions of the scripture as I go along. Father, I come before you this morning asking that you would have your will and your way in me, God. Father, I pray that each person would leave here with some sort of understanding about the depth of the love you have for them. I don't care what people have said to them. I don't care how they feel about themselves, what labels have been attached to their name, their reputation, their personality. I pray, dear Lord God, that they will come to learn and train themselves to look beyond that and see your love. I pray whoever is discouraged today, Lord, that this message, they're not here by chance this Sunday. You were chosen for them to be here to hear this message. So I pray, God, that you would have your will and your way. I am not here to please anybody. Neither am I here to offend anyone. But I want to preach forth your word as you gave it to me. So I ask, oh God, that you would just move. I pray against any way in which the enemy would like to twist or confuffle or undermine this word. We bind him in the name of Jesus. But we ask, oh God, that your word will go forth with might and with power without any hindrance. And God's sons and daughters said, amen. I want to tell you one of the reasons why I am a preacher or pastor today. Something happened when I was three and a half years old. Now, I know a lot of you think that how could she remember something at three and a half? You better be careful with children because sometimes children, I remember something that happened when... So be careful around your children, what you say to your children because you could be planting a seed that you may reap a harvest later on. Well, at three and a half years, well, believe it or not, I was in school at that time. I guess I talked so much, my mother put me in school early. Amen. You know, you have children like that. Well, I was in school at this particular day, and I was living in Trinidad at the time, and we were all in our red and white, you know, uniforms, burgundy and white, actually, and there was a a sound that went across the schoolyard. Someone died on the train tracks. Someone died on the train tracks. And it was recess, so all of us took off running to the, to the train track. So it was like a, just a sea of burgundy and white just streaming over to the train tracks. And when I got there, there laid a woman who was cut in half, she threw herself in front of the train tracks, and the child that she had within her was pushed out onto the side. Yes, I still remember that, three and a half years. And that lady has lived with me all my life. But it did something to me. It helped me because at three and a half, with my, my brain not yet developed, I wanted to know what was so bad that she did that. That's the only thing I could think about. 
This was a woman for some reason had no hope. But you see, as I grew old, I came to understand she was pregnant outside of marriage and brought such shame to her family that the only way she felt she could redeem herself and redeem her family was to commit suicide. Somehow she didn't feel loved enough to feel that her family would be able to come around her during this time of shame and suffering. Do you know that it is well documented that the biggest problem we face today in the United States of America is a lack of the sense of community. I don't care which country you have come from, where you have immigrated from, once you get here, there seems to be a breakdown of community. One observer of society said lack of community in modern society has led to rising levels of depression, rising levels of anxiety, rising level of PTSD, and an increase of divisiveness in our country today. In other words, with all the technology which was created to help us to get better and stay stay well-connected, we are becoming more distant from each other. With, we tweet, we text, we email, we Instagram, we Snapchat, we call each other on the phone, yet levels of loneliness and a sense of be- feeling loved and valued is at an all-time low. Even in the church today, there are those who are sitting right here today who have sat here maybe for years and still do not feel loved within themselves, loved and appreciated by others. Well, today the sermon title is Living Loved. Our text today will guide us. 1 John 4, 7 to 12 talks about the love God has for us. What does this passage teach us about God's love? First, it tells us that God's love is an exclusive love, and we will see that from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Second point, we will see that this love is an expressed love. We will see that from 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 to 10. Lastly, we will look at it is a love, it tells us it is an exemplified love, and that comes from 1 John chapter 4, verses 11 to 12. So an exclusive love, verses 7 and 8 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. It it is an exclusive love in that love is exclusive to God and God alone. All through this passage of scripture, the word translated love is translated in different forms of the Greek word agape. And I'm sure you have heard about agape. The Apostle John uses agape 32 times in this short letter. Agape is the highest form of love there is. That is the love God has for man and man God has the, the love man has for God. It is of my opinion, okay, this is me saying this, only those in Christ can truly exhibit can truly exude, can express this kind of love. In the Greek, in the Greek and the scriptures, we see three kinds of love mentioned. Now, if you were to go to the Greek language itself, it has many other uh, words for love. But in the scripture, there are only three that are used. Eros is a Greek word, which is a sexual love. It having to do with the flesh and intimacy, it is where we get the word erotic from. The other is phileo or phileo. This has to do with friendship, camaraderie. That's why Philadelphia is called the friendship city. Agape love can be exhibited only by God and through God. 
It is a sacrificial love. It is an unconditional love. It is a love beyond human understanding, beyond comprehension. It is said that a good mother has exhibits this kind of love. A mother who is a good mother, she will go for a child where no one else would go. She will do for a child what no one else would do. She will fight for a child, believe in that child, give the last drop of blood for a child when no one else would do it. That is the kind of love that agape love is. It comes as close as we can, humanly speaking. This kind of love comes from God. Only in God and through God is this kind of love possible. Now, I know you're sitting here and saying, what is she talking about? I love my husband. I love my wife. I have seen people sacrifice themselves for others. Yes, we do. But there is always a reward in it when we love like that. When God loves us like that, God wants nothing from you. Whether you're good, he loves you. Whether you're bad, he loves you. Whether you're ugly, he loves you. That's why when it talks about this kind of love, it has nothing to do with what he is getting from it. God gets nothing from us loving him. God is complete in himself. God is perfect in himself. God can exist all by himself. That's why when it talks about this kind of love, you can only understand it because God, when he loves you, is really looking for nothing. But we, even when we love at our best, there is something we receive from him. I can give you a good example. Oh, you know, husbands are my fool. I love you, honey. Ooh, I love you too, sweetheart. Smoosh, 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 smoosh. All right? Then you drive down the road half an hour later. Turn right. Who told you to turn? And we should go left. And, all right? You understand what I'm trying to say? Sometimes our love is predicated on what is going on. But the love of God has nothing to do with you. He simply loves you. So there is nothing you could ever do to stop God from loving you. When one reads verse 7 directly from the Greek, it reads, love from God is. Whereas when it's translated, it says love is from God. Now, it doesn't it sound more powerful when it says love from God is, meaning only from God does any semblance of love comes. There is another phrase that is mentioned here, which says in the literal translation, anyone loving from God has been born and knows God. What is he saying? He's saying anyone who loves with any sort of agape love, it comes not from anywhere else. It comes from God and God alone through Jesus Christ. We do not love naturally. We are taught to love. You put a bunch of kids, children, toddlers, all right, haven't yet been influenced by too many people, put toys in there. But don't put enough for all the toddlers to have one. Amen. You know what's going to happen in a few minutes? You're laughing because a fight is going to break out because they want to get the toy. Why? Because there is no love there. It's all about what they want. Love, we do not love naturally. We are taught to love. When Adam and Eve sinned, when they disobeyed God, sin came into the world. Then and there, hatred came about. When God said, Adam, where are you? And God called them into account. Adam blamed God, this woman you gave me. He blamed the woman. The woman blamed the snake. But God held all of them accountable. As time went on, Cain killed Abel. Why? He hated his brother because God gave his brother praise. And he did not give him praise. John, the author of this epistle, was not as loving as he's talking about here. 
if you know your scripture well, John was a rabble-rousing son of thunder. He wanted to call down fire and burn up the people of a town because they stood against Christ. Jesus had to teach this John who's talking all about love. He had to teach him what it was to love with an agape love. This kind of love is not natural to us folks, but in Christ as he loves through us, it can happen. Look at the change that happened in John. Now John, the rabble rouser, who wanted to burn everybody to smithereens, now all of a sudden he's talking about love, 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 love. 32 times in one book. This is why believers, you ought not to yoke yourself with people who are not filled with this kind of love. Young people, you're in the stages of choosing the right person who you're going to marry. I want to challenge you. Don't choose somebody who do not know Jesus Christ. Do not think that you're going to work on them and love them into the kingdom. No, what often happens, and the pastors here can tell you, what often happens when you marry someone who's not a believer, they draw you away from the Lord. Very rarely have I seen it where the non-believer gets truly drawn in deep. I challenge you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, youngsters, be careful who you date because they're going to pull you away from the things of the Lord. For us adults, we got to be careful who are our bro friends, amen, brothers, and girlfriends who are our girlfriends. You got to be careful who you roll with. That's how we say it in Brooklyn. Be careful who you roll with because they might roll you right on out of the church. So be careful, I'm asking you. I am very careful with the, even as a teenager, I was very careful of the friends, the people I with, because I knew the life I wanted to live. And then I had older siblings who I say, saw were not rolling with the right kind of person, so I learned from their mistakes. So I'm telling you, be careful of the people you roll with, because they may not have the kind of love for the Lord. And the kind of love that God wants to see exhibited in us. This kind of love is exclusive to God and God alone. Yes, anytime you see love on this level expressed, the hand of God is in it somewhere. Well, okay, you may say, Pastor, you're talking about that, but I've seen non-believers who exhibit love sometimes more than believers. Let me talk to you about that. Within every man, woman, and child, there is a God factor in all of us. All of us are born with some sort of desire for God. But as people grow older, because of the media, because of the family they grow up in, because of nonsense that they hear, it begins to quell and quench and stymie that love for the Lord. We are all born with the potential to love God, for God placed it within us. Where one can love without reward, sacrifice with nothing to gain from it. No creature other than God has this ability to love you unconditionally at all times in all places. Satan does not love. He only hates. He hates so much that his only desire is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But the Bible says that our Lord Jesus Christ came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Believers, 1 John 4, 7 to 12 reminds us about the love God has for us. But what does this passage of scripture tell us about God's love? It is an exclusive love that comes from God and God alone. And if we show any sense of love, it's because of God moving in and through us in some way, whether you're a believer or not. Our second point takes it even further. For this passage shows how far our Lord went to show how much he loves us and to and through Christ to express this agape love for us, verses 9 to 10. First love comes from God, exclusive. Now God expresses that love, express love. So when you think you have no value, 
When you think that uh, nobody values you, when you feel as though you have nothing to live for, when you feel as though everybody is loved except me, let me read something to you. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God. And another version said, not that we loved God first, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. How did God express this love? It's spoken of right here. First of all, he sent his son so that we might live through him. We might live the Christian life, have a vibrant Christian spiritual Lord. But we could not and would not love Christ on our own. Let me remind you of what Christ did. Christ, remember, he is all-knowing. He was God up in heaven And although he knew all that was to come before he came to earth, still he came. Let me remind you of what Christ left for you. He left the sinless, holy, pristine halls of heaven, streets paved with gold, gates made of pearls, jeweled walls made of lapis, carnelian, ruby, topaz, emerald, chrysolite, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and beryl. He left all of that to be born in a feces-infested cave filled with the aroma of sweaty, stinking animals. You know, Christmas, we have these nice nativity sets. So nice. The donkeys... Nice and clean. How many of you have ever been to a farm? I have yet to smell a nice smelling cow. (laughs) I have yet to go into a stable or barn that smells nice. Think of that, what Christ left. To come and be born in this place full of feces because them animals, you know, they have no behavior. They just go where they want full of feces, flies all over the place, sweaty, stinking animals. That's where he came. Later to walk the dusty, dung-covered roads of Jerusalem, to walk among a people who would hate him, to walk among a people who would scorn him, to walk among a people who would ridicule him, and to walk among a people who who would ultimately kill him. Yet he chose to come. He chose to come for you and he chose to come for me because John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. One has ever expressed this kind of love for you where they have left everything to come to meet you in the midst of your need? This is what Jesus did. That is what God did for you. So you better learn to start walking around this earth living love. He expressed his love by becoming our atoning sacrifice. You know what atoning means? It means that when Jesus Christ died on that cross, his blood was shed and it would erase all the sin, all the shame, all the condemnation, all the guilt of sin from you. So that when you take Jesus Christ as your savior, I don't care if you're a thief, a crook, a murderer, a fornicator, an embezzler, when you stand before God, hallelujah, and you stand before his throne because you have taken Jesus Christ as your savior, you will be standing before God hidden in Christ, covered in his blood. So when the enemy tries to come, when Satan tries to come and say, she belongs to me, he belongs to me because I know the sin he did. God would say absolutely not because they have been atoned for. Hebrews 9.2 tells us, in fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. That's why Jesus had to come and die. 
Because without Jesus dying, every single one of us would be destined for hell. Because of the sin of Adam and Eve, we are all destined for hell. Someone had to die. It had to be a man, a sinless man. So Christ had to come. Christ had to die. So that by the shedding of his blood, we can all be forgiven. After the sin of Adam, every single one of us became a sinner. Romans 5, don't take my word for it. I'm going to read it to you from Scripture. I know it's making some of you uncomfortable, but it's all right that you're uncomfortable. That it's all right that you want me to rush past this. Well, I'm not. Because we have to understand the seriousness of taking Christ as Savior. Romans 5 8 tells us, for just as through the sin or disobedience of one man, the many, all of us were made sinners. So through the obedience of one man, meaning Jesus Christ, the many of us will be made righteous. How was Christ obedient? He was obedient to die on the cross for you and me. Let me help you to understand the seriousness of this. I am sure I told this, uh, use this illustration here before, but it's such a good one. I'm going to use it again. So if you heard it, pretend you didn't hear it. Amen? I told the story of a friend of mine who went to an amusement park. And you know those water slides? There were different levels of water slides. Me, I go on the Bambi water slides that the little kitties go on. That's where I go. I'm not as brave as some of you all. She wanted, she never went on a water slide, mind you. She wanted the one that went way up. Because, you know, when people come down, yay, they're waving their hands, and it looks like so much fun. So that's where she wanted to go. So she decided to water slide. Now let me ask you a question. Once you get on a water slide, how do you get off? Huh? You, you get off wet because you have to go all the way down. Can you get off a water slide midstream? No. So she got on this water slide, and in the middle of the water slide, she decided she wanted to get off. So she started screaming. Why she started screaming and yelling, all her kids disappeared because they didn't want anybody to know that was their mom carrying on like a crazy woman on the slide. So she jammed her legs on the wall of the water slide to stop herself. You can't stop. Once you're on a water slide, the only way off is down. So finally, she realized that's the only way off. So she screamed her way down. She got to the pool, and she said, oh, oh, help me. The people said, stand up, woman. The water is only knee deep. (laughs) The lesson is this. Every single one of us, from the time we are born, we are on a water slide, a slippery slope straight to hell. There is no way off. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, they made all of us sinners. But when Jesus Christ came, and when Jesus Christ died, it's like he extended his hand over the water slide. And if you want to get off, you call out, Jesus, I rest for me, and I take you as your Savior. You can grab his hand, and he lifts you off the water slide. That's the only way off. But every single person born of man and woman, and some crazy nut is going to clone somebody one day. It's going to happen. But as long as you use God's DNA, you're still destined for hell. But God so loved that he sent his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, have everlasting love. Since we are so loved, we ought to know the lengths to which he went to show us that love. We ought to do the same for our fellow believers. 1 John 4, 7 to 12 reminds us about the love God has for us. Why does this passage of scripture tells us, I'm sorry, what does this passage of scripture tells us about God's love? It is an exclusive love in that it comes from God and God alone. It is an expressed love in that he sacrificed himself for you and for me. I want you to get this. You are 
valuable. You are so valuable. And God sent his son. He came. Remember, Jesus is God incarnate. He came to die for you. Don't tell me you don't have value. Don't tell me that you're not special. Don't tell me that somebody wouldn't give their best for you when God did. Too many of you don't value yourself. Somebody says some little negative thing to us and we get so bent out of shape that sometimes people kill themselves over things people have said and people have done. But I'll tell you something every time I think of that woman who committed suicide by throwing herself in front of that train. I said, oh, if she had only known about Jesus, no matter if her family had rejected her, even if she had brought shame to the family, she would have known that there was one who loved her with an everlasting love. Whether she was good or bad, whether she pleased the family or not, whether she brought shame to the family or not, there was one who loved her so much that he gave himself for her. Because of that woman, and I came into the pastorate because I want people to understand that God so loves you that you don't need to go there. That woman lives with me because I want people to know nothing is so bad that you cannot live through it. Exemplified love, verses 11 to 12. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. His love was exemplified in that he is showing us how to live the love life. Take it from his example. Do what we see him do. Because God so loved us, because we are the recipient of that love, we should follow that example. Don't wait for nobody to love you. Learn to sit at God's feet. And learn to soak in the fact that he so loved me when I was a wretched sinner, that he was still willing to go to the cross and die for me. If he loved me when I was a sinning wretch, how much more does he love me now that I've given my life to him? God don't need your love, but he wants to pour his love into you. Know that you already love so deeply and so soundly that you do not need the love of another to survive. You can sit in the midst of an angry, hostile crowd peace where you know that you are loved. When people overlook you and throw words at you, you can't stand because you know that you are loved. When they fail to give you that raise on the job, uh, you can't sit in peace for you know you are you in prison cell on chopped up charges. You can sit like a queen or a king on a throne because you are loved. When the man may run out of you on the marriage or the woman may run out of you in the marriage for another man or woman, you can cry and you can wail. But when you walk out that house in the morning, you can walk in peace because you know you are loved. When that son or daughter that you have poured yourself out for and they come back to tell you off and maybe even cuss you out to say that you did not do enough for them. You can go on because you know you are loved. Oh, hallelujah. Throw it all out and just rest upon God. People sometimes ridicule us in our families because we are not following the faith they used to follow. And because you're not following the faith because you found Jesus, they want to cut you off excommunicate you. They don't want nothing to do with you. But they may do what they want. But I always tell people, you may not love me, but I got three people who do. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah! Because you know your love, you can't share that love with others. It's not that not what the scripture says. Since God so loved us, we ought to love one another with this agape love. I want to give you a teaching here today. 
And I want to un you to understand it very clearly because I think in this area we are mixed up. The, this love that we are talking about goes first to the believer. First to the believer. Grace to the non-believer. Remember, John wrote this letter to the followers of Jesus Christ based in Ephesus, but ultimately to the church as a whole. He was not calling believers to have this kind of sacrificial love for non-believers. Hear me well. You are, no un under, you are under no obligation to do so. But you can operate out of the grace of God that works in and through you to love the non-believer to that extent. That is why people of the world, when they mess with the people of God, they do not realize that you do not react. And it is because of the grace of God within you. And that grace rolls up and out through you. You know, sometimes they're messing with you and you will just smile. But in, in the back of your mind, you want to give them the five spiritual laws. Amen. And they don't realize that it's because of the grace of God within you. You are no, under no obligation because sometimes the non-believers know the Bible better than we do. And they'll come and say, you're a Christian, you ought to do this. You're a Christian, you ought to do that. You're a Christian, you ought to do that. So I tell them, since you know so much about what it means to be a Christian, let me tell you how to become a believer in Jesus Christ. You'll see how fast they would run from you. You're under an obligation to love your fellow believer with an unconditional, sacrificial love, and you can only do that through Jesus Christ. We are living love because of the exclusive love of our God. That, the, that is the God factor within us. You see, while we were still sinning, God-hating, pompous, prideful, adultery-involved, promiscuous, Stealing from the job, stupid in our high intelligence, church-hating, lying, manipulating people of the world, or God still loved us and died for us. He expressed that love for you. Romans says, Christ demonstrated his love towards us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You've got to remember what Christ went through when we think about Holy Week. Remember, Thursday was the time he had the time with his disciples, the Last Supper. And on that Thursday night, he was betrayed. Then all through Thursday night into Friday, he would move from Pilate to Herod, Herod to Pilate, back and forth, whipped 40 times, thorn put upon his head. Then he had to walk that Via Della Rosa after being beaten all night awake all night from Thursday night all the way on to Friday morning, bleeding weak, broken. All his disciples took off, betrayed him. One betrayed him too. The chief priest, the other one betrayed him. He wouldn't stand up for him because Peter betrayed Jesus. We like the nights set up for Peter. But Peter betrayed Jesus. And then he had to walk down this Via Della Rosa, carrying this cross that was too heavy for him. They had to post somebody in to help him carry that cross. And as he's carrying this cross, not for himself, but for you and me, because of the sins we commit, that we haven't even been born yet, but yet he's walking that road to sacrifice himself for you and for me. People were along the roadside ridiculing him, spitting on him, slapping him. This is what he did for me and he did for you. Don't tell me that you're not of value. Don't tell me that God does not love you. Don't tell me that God doesn't care. Sometimes we go through a little bit of trouble and the enemy, the first thing Satan comes, does God really care? If God cares why you're going through this, what? When Jesus went through all of that for you and for me, he didn't do anything and he suffered. Why? For one reason and one reason only. I want you to remember, Jesus did not gain 
anything by going to the cross. The only reason he went was so that you would be atoned for your sin. So that you would not go to hell. So that when the enemy comes, when you stand before God on judgment day, Satan would not be able to say a word against you. Because you will be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is love. That is love. That is love. Stop living for the dregs of love and appreciation and recognition from people. It is good to have it, but you don't need it to live. Man will give you awards, but the minute you mess up, they'll come and take all the awards away. But when you take the Lord as Savior, when you come fully to understand the love of God, the love God has for you, no man, No woman, no boy, no girl, no demon in hell, no demon on two legs can take God's love from you. You are living love because Jesus died for you. You are loved with an everlasting love. Whether you are a good person, whether you are a bad person, whether you're tall, you're short, you're fat, you're slim, you're beautiful, you're ugly, Jesus loves you just the way you are. He left heaven for you. He took insults for you. He was rejected for you. He want to tell, you want to tell me you feel so unloved that you're not worth anything that when the man or the woman or people mess with you on the job trying to do all kind of stuff, you're ready to, to, to give up? No, you're too loved for that. You are too highly valued to be somebody's stomping post. But we have one. The Bible said that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We have one who the Bible said that God so loved the world that he begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting love. This is love. Not that we love God but that he first loved us and sent his son as an atoning, cleansing sacrifice for our sins. You want to talk about love? No man can love you like God loves you. No woman can love you like God loves you. No parent can love you the way God loves you. No child can love you the way God loves you. You are so valued that Jesus stretched out his arms and died. We are hearing recently of police officers committing suicide. One loved his job so much. All the years he worked, he never got married. He gave his whole life to his job. And when it came time to retire, a poor man didn't know what to do, where to go. He took his life. Believers in Jesus Christ. No job. No man. No woman. No child. Let me say this, not even your health. It's so valuable. You got to understand the depth of the love God has for you. And when you know how much God loves you, I'm telling you, the enemy can't mess with this. Because that's how the enemy works. He messes with your mind to bring fear, to bring doubt, to bring rejection, to bring discouragement. When you're going through that, take your Bible and look up all the verses that talks about the depth of God's love for you. You would see that people in the Bible messed up bad. David, David was an adulterer. 
a rapist, a murderer, and yet God calls him a man after God's own heart. Why? Because David, in his sin, when he messed up, was able to go and repent before God. God cleansed him and God loved him. The difference between David and Saul, Saul never committed the kind of sins that David committed. But Saul never loved God. He called God your God. But David said, my God, my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. So I want you to get it this morning. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what you have done. How valueless people make you feel. God so loved you that he died for you even when you were a sinner. People don't. People barely die for a good person. But how much more for someone who is not valuable. I want to close with this reading. I want you to turn with Romans 8 for me. And I want us to stand. We're going to start at Romans 31, and we will read to the end. You got it? Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 31. But what I really wanted to get is 37 to 39. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not, yeah, you can read with me. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also allow? Charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Jesus who died, raised to life, is at the who shall separate us. This is what I wanted to get, folks. This is what I who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine? or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Are you loved today? Are you loved today? Are you loved today? I don't care what you are going through, please. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing anybody can say, nothing anybody can do, not even you yourself can for God loves you and listen, get used to it. <laughs> Living loved. Living loved. This week the enemy is going to come. Satan is going to come with something to try to tell you you're not loved. That loud mouth woman from Brooklyn didn't know what she was talking about. You go back to that Bible verse and you read it. Read it till you're convinced. Read it till it become, it's marinated in you. You want to tell me, this ain't in the message, but you want to tell me anybody could come and tell me that God don't love me? They got a fight on their hands. I mean it literally. I will fight you because I know what God has done for me. 
I have seen how God has loved me at my best and at my worst. And how dare you come and try to tell me something about myself. You have to learn to stand strong in your faith. You have to learn who you are and who you are. You are a child of God. You belong to him. You are born again Christian. Water filled, water baptized. Your name written in the Lamb's book of life. If people don't like it, that is their problem. If they don't want to live for Jesus, that is their problem. If they want to live wild and carefree in the world, which they think is wild and carefree, that is their business. But when it comes to me, don't dare come and try to undermine my Christianity to try to tell me that my God does not love me. You see, the thing we need to understand, people are after your faith. They want to break you down. They want to destroy your faith. But when you know Jesus loved me so much, he died for me. Nobody, and I know this isn't proper grammar, nobody can tell me nothing. You can't. You cannot. I know he loves me. And I love him. Let's close our eyes. If this message has touched you in any way today, just lift your hands. And I'm going to pray for you. Father, I pray, God, that every person here will leave with a new stamp on their heart that I am loved by him. I am valued by God. Even when I would mess up like David, still you love me and can call me a man after my own heart. I pray, God, for every lie the enemy has been whispering in people's ear. Father, I can't. I pray, dear Lord God, oh God, and defeat, dear Lord God, and discouragement, oh God. I put that under the blood of Jesus Christ. Those who are hurting because of things in their family, I put that under the blood of Jesus Christ. Things that people have said to them, that they believe, oh God, what the words have been said. Maybe even parents have said it, oh God. Community have said it, oh God. Help them to come to understand that you love them just the way they are. If you could love a raping, murdering, lying David and call him your friend, Father, you love us too because Jesus' blood covered it all on the cross of Jesus Christ. So, Father, I pray, God, that for each person this week, that they would understand that nothing, nothing, nothing on this earth, nothing under the earth, not even in heaven, can separate them from the love of God. They are loved whether they like it or not. They are valued whether they like it or not. They are yours and you are theirs, oh God. Father, I thank you today, God. I thank you that you love us so much. I thank you that you gave your life for us, oh God. I thank you that you showed us how valuable we are today. And we just want to say thank you today, God. Thank you. Can we say hallelujah to the Lord this Hallelujah, God, we thank you. Hallelujah, we magnify you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen, 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 amen. God bless you this morning. And I want you to walk around encouraging the Lord, knowing that you are loved. You are valued. No matter how bad you are, he still loves you. God bless you.